Welcome to Boston's Best, a podcast where you go behind the scenes with financial planner Mark Condon as he asks industry-leading experts in and around Boston to talk about their businesses. Mark will find out what sets these companies apart from their competition and how they have risen above the inevitable challenges they have faced along the way to their ultimate success. And now, here's your host, Mark Condon. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to episode 26 of Boston's Best. The goal of this podcast is to highlight businesses in and around Boston. My guest on today's podcast is Lori glazer Corn. Lori is the owner of Corn Interiors, a commercial and residential design firm based out of Concord. She has been in business since 2006 and has been crushing it ever since. We talk about how Lori grew up in Missouri, moved to the East Coast for college, and fell in love with New England. She went to London for graduate school to pursue acting in theater. She performed in theater for 20 years, where she performed on Broadway, sang jazz in clubs all over New England, as well as on cruise ships. Acting was her first love, and this is where she met her husband. In this episode, we talk in-depth about what it really means to work with an interior design firm like Corn Interiors. She grew up around her father's contemporary furniture company, James David, and always loved the industry. She started doing small jobs for friends and family, then found a great niche in dental offices, creating a fun atmosphere for children including one that represents an airport where children get boarding passes, which happens to be the dentist office I grew up going to. Such a small world. And be sure to listen to the end as Lori shares some of the most common misconceptions about interior design, what she sees for the future of corn interiors, and how she defines success in any given year. And so with that introduction, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Boston's Best. Welcome, Lori Glazer Corn. Lori is the owner of Corn Interiors. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. That's a loaded question these days, but uh, <laughs> so far I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So, like I said, Lori owns Corn Interiors, and tell us before we get into Corn Interiors, tell us a little bit about yourself. Did you grow up around here? Where'd you grow up? I actually grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. So okay. I'm a Midwesterner, but uh, I came east to go to college. I went to Dartmouth College and fell in love with New England and except for uh, a year that I spent in London in graduate school, a couple of years in New York City. I've lived in Boston you know, since college. Nice. What made you choose London uh, for graduate school? Well, I actually went to graduate school uh, for acting, for classical acting. Oh. And okay. it was a really amazing program at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get in. And so I spent a year studying Shakespeare and classical theater. No way. That's awesome. That's really cool. I didn't actually know that. Was that your first passion? Was acting your first passion? It was. I worked for about 20 years as an actor and a singer. I did a lot of regional theater and I I did a show off Broadway and I wrote a show and I also sang jazz in clubs all over New England and the Caribbean. And I sang on cruise ships. And I also was in an acapella group that toured all over the world uh, with my husband. Um, I met my husband doing theater. So that was my first love. Wow. Okay. So naturally, that's a natural transition in the interior design. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how did you get into interior design, uh, you know, from theater? I always loved it. Um, My father had a company. My father was an entrepreneur and he started a, a company called James David in the 70s that designed and manufactured contemporary furniture. So I was around it my whole growing up. I used to spend summers working in his office, collating catalogs and putting furniture together. And I always loved design. I loved 
to draw, but as a career, I wanted to do theater. I loved doing theater. It's hard to make a living, even though, I mean, I was a union actor and I worked, I worked pretty consistently, but it was hard to make a living. And then I had children. My first son traveled with us, was on the road. Like the first year or two of his life was, you know, on 70 flights and, and flew all over the world with us. But then we had a second child and I realized I didn't want to be gone every night, you know, dinner time and bedtime with my kids. And it, there's not a lot of respect for actors in terms of their their time, which just didn't work for family life. And I really wanted to have a family. I remember I had a conversation with my sister and I was telling her, you know, I just, I didn't know how much longer I wanted to sort of live the life of, of doing theater, even though I, I loved acting. And she said, well, you know, you're so good at, at interior design. You, you know, you've helped me and you helped my mom and, you know, you should think about just taking a class and see if you like it. So I decided to take a class at the Boston Architectural College and I was hooked. I really, really loved it. Decided I got a job working for another designer just as an assist design assistant and started the program, which was a, it was a three-year program. And, um, you know, at the time I had two little kids, I was in school part-time and, um, and then I started working for a really talented architect uh, named Alan Mayer. I worked for his company for about a year while I was finishing up school. And then I decided to go off on my own. Wow. I mean, that's a busy life. You got you know, you have two <laughs> kids in school part-time working. Um, that's a very busy life, a hard thing to, to balance. It was challenging. You know, <laughs> I was up doing homework until, you know, two o'clock in the morning and then up with little kids early in the morning. And it was intense. Yeah. It was fun. I mean, well, I really loved it. Yeah. I and mean, if you enjoy it, it doesn't, it's not, you're not dreading the day when you wake up, you know, you, you enjoy it. It's just, you're just trying to balance three very important things. That's That can't be uh, easy to do. At what point when you were working with the architect, when you finally decided to go in on your own? It, do you remember that moment? You know, what what drove you to ultimately take the next step to dive into yourself? You know what? I mean, he gave me some interesting things to do, but I was also doing mostly purchasing and a lot of project management and not as much design. And I had a a friend who was, you know, doing some remodeling in his house. And he asked me if I would be willing to help him out. And I started doing that work. And I thought, you know what, I, I really, I like doing the whole thing. As an actor, you work for yourself. I mean, yes, you're hired by different theater companies and you're hired by producers and um, I was hired, hired by clubs, but basically you're a free agent yeah. and, you know, you're always looking for that next job. So I, I was already in that mindset. And I had gotten pretty good at uh, marketing myself and because, you know, you are the product. And so I started getting my name out there. You know, I started doing friends homes. I mean, that, that's sort of, the, you know, people heard that, you know, friends heard that this is what I was going to be doing and they knew I was in school. And so I started out just doing friends and then they told their friends and I, you know, my circle widened a little bit, but it still wasn't making a ton of money. And I wasn't, I wasn't growing at, at the kind of rate I wanted to grow. And then I had an opportunity to uh, work on the interior of a synagogue. I was sort of the lead interior person on the job and I really enjoyed it. It was, it was really challenging. It really broadened my horizons. I had to source things that I'd never sourced before, think on a scale that I had never thought before. It was a really successful 
project. It, it really came out beautifully and people loved it. And then soon after, I was asked by somebody I knew to design his dental office. That was, you know, a, a whole different kind of challenge, but also another commercial job. I really, really loved doing it. It was creative in a way that doing the kind of residential jobs I was doing before, you know, people would say, oh, can you help me find, you know, a new fabric for my couch and a paint color and a rug? It wasn't like, right. they, you know, the projects weren't substantial. Right. And this was like soup to nuts. I got to sort of plan out the whole thing. I had my hand in every single pie. It came out really great. And, and they were very pleased. And in the process, I met a lot of people in the industry. I met basically somebody at Patterson Dental who was an equipment specialist. And he had a contact with a lot of dentists and he saw the work and he started recommending me to dentists. And then for years, I was basically just doing dental offices. And I did about 40, 45 dental offices wow. in eight or nine years. It was a wonderful experience for the most part. You know, I had one or two. Of course. Not such great clients, but, <laughs> but for the most part, they were wonderful clients. They were really detail oriented. They had the money to spend on a project. And I got to work in all different kinds of styles. I did everything from, you know, like an oral surgeon's office that was very traditional and, and almost like, you know, like a, a men's club, very, um, okay. you know, paneling and, and heavy fabrics and to super contemporary, which is more my bent, but to everything in between. And I also got the opportunity to work on pediatric offices, okay. which is probably my favorite part of that world because I was, I was crafting environments. So I did the first pediatric office. I did the, the dentist asked me if I could create a jungle. Wow. And so I, I built a jungle for him in his waiting room and we carried <laughs> it throughout the whole office. Um, but there's a, a tree a large tree that sort of fills the the waiting room and you know the fabric on the chairs looks like snake scales and we did the front desk in crocodile skin and there are banana leaves and animals hanging everywhere and, huh. and it's really it's it's a it's an environment and uh, kids loved coming there and someone saw it and invited me to come to their office uh, to do an amusement park so uh, I did an amusement park and we built a roller coaster in the in the treatment room that was a light like an LED light show and there's a fun house the kids get to go in while they're waiting that has you know fun house mirrors and awesome. um, you know it was bright and colorful and you know trying to make you know use weathered wood to look like the boardwalk and and bright colors and metallics and it was just a really exciting project um and then probably the most interesting, exciting, creative project that I've done to date was I did an airport wow. and I turned a large dental and orthodontic office into an airport. You know, we, we did sort of airport seating, you know, in the waiting room. I hired a scenic designer to build an airplane in the middle of the waiting room. <laughs> and it's got, it's a, it's a play structure, basically. It has a little slide going off the, you know, one of those bumpy, you know, the rollers that you're, your luggage goes on uh, when it goes through security. We made a slide out of the rollers and there's LED lights and levers and things to play with on the inside. We filled the walls with enormous, like seven foot photographs of Logan Airport so that 
when you're sitting in the plane and you look around, you see the control tower and you see the, the other planes, all the finishes look like airport finishes. We just designed each of the operatories or 12 operatories. Each one is a different city. Oh, no way. And, you know, they're labeled gate, gate yep. four, Tokyo, you know. <laughs> and so when the kids come in and they check in, they get um, a boarding pass. Wow. And it tells them what gate to go to and what city they're going to go to. Huh. And then we did, a, you know, we have a sign as they go through to get their x-rays that they're going through security. You know, it's a really, it's, it was yeah. fun. It was creative. It was theatrical. You know, all my, my years in theater sort of informed yep. that design. So that was probably one of the most challenging and interesting things that I've done. And then after, in about 2017, I sort of moved away from dental offices and I started doing a lot of residential work. But now the, the jobs were very different from the jobs I did when I started out doing whole house designs, you know, large kitchen bathroom renovations. And, you know, right now I think I've got, I don't know, four or five kitchen bathroom renovations going, you know, we're gutting the space and, you know, starting from the ground up. I'm doing the Metro West. I'm doing a, a beautiful home right now in Weston. And we're doing, you know, it's a brand new kitchen dining room, breakfast room, four bathrooms, a foyer. Uh, we're doing work in the living room. So it's it's a really um, substantial project. And I'm, I'm doing a lot more of those. Right. I mean, that doesn't mean I don't also do, you know, some people just have me come for two hours and do a color consultation. I'm equipped to take on all kinds of jobs, you know, from small consultative kind of jobs to an entire house. I mean, and that that's really cool. And I mean, and thank you for sharing all that. That's kind of the natural progression when you start your own business, isn't it? You know, you take on really anything you can when you start. And yep. yeah, it's the smallest, it's the smaller jobs. The the income is not going to be huge unless you happen to strike gold in your first couple of months. But they're the singles and doubles that that keep you afloat. And then you found a niche, you know, with the dental offices and you got your name into that market and you just exploded in there. And now you've gotten to a point where the jobs are just bigger. Um, I think that's kind of a natural progression for any entrepreneur. You hit up the natural market first, right? Those are the those are the first handful of people that that you reach out to. That dental office with uh, with the airport design. What town is that in? I mean, I, when I have kids, is that only for kids? That sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, when I have children, I want my children to go to that place. Uh, it's in Stoneham. Stoneham. Okay, it's a little bit of a hike for me, but that is a children's, children's dental health center in Stoneham. That's really no, I mean, not Stoneham. I'm sorry. Stoughton. Stoughton. That's where in I grew Stoughton. up. Oh, you grew up in Stoughton? That's my hometown. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Whereabouts in Stoughton? You say it's on Park Street? I grew up on Park Street. I know exactly which dental office you're talking about. Children's Dental Health Center. It used to have a, um, it, it was, a, this was a, a renovation. It wasn't a, a build out. It had like a big fish tank That's and murals exact, of fish. Oh my goodness. This is the exact dental office I grew up going to. Oh my God. I'm drawing That's a blank on the former owner's name. But yes, that is right on Park Street. I, my house is on Park Street. That's where I grew up. Oh, that's right. So I drove by your house a lot. The time. That's that's not even a quarter mile. That might be a quarter mile from my house. That's unbelievable. That's crazy. Small world. Wow. Maybe I will go back there just for nostalgia. Yeah. That's well, it's a totally different place now. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. That's really cool. My niece and my nephew are both in Stoughton. I'll have to see if that's where they go. Very intrigued by that. That's so cool. All right, so back to back to you. Not enough about me and my childhood, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's not it's not easy to certainly start your own business. I know a lot of business owners are 
can be. I am very type A. I'm very OCD. I like routines. Are you that way? Are you different? You know, how do you, why do you think you've been so successful up to this point running a business? I have really good time management skills. You know, I set aside time every week to do marketing. I do set aside time every week to do sort of the administrative, because there's a lot of administrative. I mean, there's, there's a lot of creative and fun and cool stuff I get to do, but there's also a lot of spreadsheets, right? And purchasing. I mean, I spend a lot of my time purchasing, tracking. I have to set aside time every week to do those things. And also just to make sure that I'm, you know, doing enough billable work each week, you know, because there's some weeks that there's, I'm doing a lot of sales calls and it's harder to get in the billable hours. So you have to be motivated you have to limit distractions because especially now working from, I mean, I always worked from home, but you know, I used to spend a lot more time on the road in clients' homes and, yep. and in showrooms and, and I do more work. You know, I, I work with, instead of going to a showroom, I might go on a, a something called material bank uh, where you, you know, you pick all your materials online and they ship them to you. In some ways it's, it's, it's very efficient because you don't have to get in your car and go to a showroom, but you know, half the things that they ship me, I end up having to ship back because the photograph online doesn't look like what <laughs> it actually looks like when you get it. So, you know, it's, it's about, it's really about managing time. Yeah. Yeah. I could imagine some of the photos don't line up too well. <laughs> um, <laughs> how do you market yourself? Like how, what have you found to be successful forms of marketing? What have you found to be, you know, quite frankly, a waste of time and energy as far as marketing goes? You know, as you know, I'm in the BNI chapter yep. with you and, and, I find that qualified leads, I mean, real referrals are the best yeah. marketing. Um, most of my clients are word of mouth. Um, that's really where I've gotten most of my work, uh, both commercially and residentially. I've done a little bit of advertising and found that it, it really had almost no return. You know, I'm on house. I have a pretty, a good presence on house my entire, or not my entire, but, but most of my residential portfolio is on, on house. My website, which was designed many, many years ago, is mostly commercial, needs to be updated, but I, I really need to sort of redo it so that it, it's both commercial and residential. So I send residential clients to look at um, my house profile just because it's, it's a very easy way to update, add new projects, yep. uh, add photos. I'm on Facebook. I don't use it very much. I know that Instagram is really a great way to market yourself, and I have not... You know, I think I would need to hire somebody to do it for me just because it takes time. It sure does. I think that, you know, I might bring somebody on to uh, do that for me just okay. because I don't, I don't have the time to, to spend every day doing the, the social media stuff. Yeah, that's fair. I, as you know, I post a lot on social media. I, I got to a point where it was taking up way too much of my time and I, I hired somebody myself. So <laughs> if you're looking for somebody, I'm certainly happy to give her a recommendation. She's done a great job for me, but. Yeah, it's difficult to keep up. There's so many different avenues now. Quite frankly, if you've gotten to a point where you get a lot of qualified leads, you may not need to do maybe other people who are just starting out use a lot of, which is social media. You've you've kind of created your own marketing for yourself throughout the years that you've been doing it. So you might well, not- word of mouth is is really the best. Of course. I mean, if people hear from someone they trust that they liked working with you and that they were happy with the result, you're likely to get hired. Oh, totally. Absolutely. So what's your favorite type of service or work that you do in interior design? In terms of resident, I mean, in commercial, it's probably pediatric offices. In residential, I love to do custom work. 
I love to do kitchen design. I do a lot of kitchen design. It's it's probably two thirds of my my work right wow. now. I have a couple of clients that I've gotten to do really custom work for. I, I've designed custom light fixtures, custom tile. Um, I, I just finished this big project in Lexington where you know I did I designed a couple of light fixtures. We did a built in to. She's a she collects folk art. And so I, I created a, you know, a wall unit to uh, display her art. And, and we used this beautiful uh, metallic grass cloth wallpaper behind the, you know, behind it. And it's lit things like that, that, that sort of get me thinking outside the box. Yeah. I really love doing that. I have a client right now that asked me to, she wanted her bedroom to look like a Renaissance painting. So I did a lot of research and you know, she sent me some paintings, and I I had studied art history actually in college, and studied in Florence, and so I knew I know a fair amount about Renaissance art, and I went through a lot of my old art books, and I think it's going to be a really beautiful, sumptuous master bedroom where the you know the, the curtain fabric looks like the fabric of a gown, and wow. you know, so I like to be creative, you know, I like to think outside the box, and I think lots of people go with what they're comfortable with or what is sort of, you know, what they've seen on Pinterest or Instagram. Um, But I like to kind of stretch people and get them to think outside the box as well. Because I think if people's house really reflects them, they're really happy and they, they love it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's really cool. You got to be very creative. I mean, how do you pull all of these ideas? Is it just over experience, you know, all the experience you've had over the past X amount of years that you've been doing this. I mean, how do you come up with all these different creative ideas to, that stretch people? And how do you find this type of stuff? You know, you know, I do, I do a lot of research. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of what people are paying me for. Very much. Yeah. Is, is to really to source things and to think outside the box yeah. and to, you know, I order lots of samples. I put things together. I'm, I'm very hands-on and it's really about thinking differently, not, not just a gray and white kitchen. If I'm going to, somebody wants a gray and white kitchen, I find ways to throw in red or I'm doing one right now. And, uh, we have pops of really cool color. I mean, I don't know if this is a gray and white kitchen, but we're going to do red stools and a red light and red poles, right? So that it's, it's not, it sort of takes it out of the realm of the ordinary. That's a good, that's cool because yeah, I mean, you know, this would lead me to my next question. Some people may wonder why pay for an interior designer when I could just Google or look up anything I want with, you know, uh, but if they want a simple gray and white design, they might not realize what else they can do to make their, their kitchen or their living room or something really stand out. I mean, there, are there any major common, you know, myths or misconceptions when it comes to interior design? I think that, yes, the biggest myth is that it's a luxury service. Yeah. Um, if you if you are going to do a big renovation or even a small renovation, there there are so many pieces to it. Number one, it's really good to have somebody who's got their eye on all of them. I also think of design holistically. You know, I don't pick out a countertop and then pick out a backsplash tile and pick out a light. I think about it all together and, and I present it to them all together. So I, I present to people entire schemes so that they're never choosing something without the context of the entire design. And, and I, I, I present people with three different schemes going okay. three different ways 
that way they, they really get a sense for what the whole thing's going to look like, not just what one countertop or one tile is going to look like. Yeah. So I think having a designer makes your design look much more holistic. You'll see that there's a concept that that's makes- carried through every single detail, you know, down to the hinges. I mean, it's everything works together. So that's that's one thing. I'm able to source products that that you can't get if you're a retail customer. I have sources that that you would just never be able to find or see. You know, there's just a whole world of products out there that that you wouldn't have a chance to to look at. So that's a whole, that's another reason. I get preferential pricing. I get trade pricing. Now, some designers make their money by, you know, charging people retail and pocketing the difference. And it can be significant. For sure. I mean, it can be 30, 40%. I prefer to charge for my time and my expertise and pass on my discounts to clients. So one of the reasons to hire designers, you actually can save money on things that you purchase. I work with contractors. So, and I work with the architect so that sometimes I'm the middle person. You know, if if they're unhappy with something the contractor did, I'm able to help smooth that over. But also I help with the project management so that, you know, let's say you're doing a kitchen renovation and the tile floor needs to go in on Thursday. Well, I make sure that that tile is in on Monday and that they have the grout and that it's sitting there waiting to go because delays are what what can really increase your construction costs. So if somebody isn't managing all of that, a lot of times things slip through the cracks. I also, you know, I'll manage returns. I mean, I have never done a project where something didn't come in broken, the wrong finish. You know, I mean, things happen, you know, especially now with COVID, there are so many delays and and so I'm on top of all that stuff. I take care of the returns. I take care of inspecting products. So that's a whole other part of the management. Also, just in, if you're doing a big project, you need to make decisions and you need to make them in a timely way. Otherwise, there are delays. And so having somebody present you with the whole project from the very beginning means that, that people have made a lot of their major decisions even before they start their, their construction. So that those things don't fall through the cracks. They're not delays. Their, their project can begin and end on time. Yeah, which is ultimately the most important part. Uh, you know, you you brought up COVID. Obviously, COVID's had its effects on many different industries this year. I would imagine the delay times with deliveries is part of it. How else has COVID impacted you? And so, you know, at the beginning of of the pandemic, I was pretty worried as everybody else was, I figured nobody would ever want, would want me to come into their homes. So I started out uh, sort of in March and April, I did a couple of virtual projects where I never even met the client. I just sent them samples and photos. And, and I can't say that they were the most successful projects I've ever done just because I never got to see the space. I mean, they were fine. It's not that people were unhappy, but I just wasn't able to help to manage it to the level that I normally do. So I did that. A couple of my dental clients contacted me to see if I could help them create plexiglass barriers in a way that looked, you know, thoughtful and still, you know, kept the integrity of the design of the office. So I did that for a couple of clients. In fact, uh, John Dowd came in and helped me build those. And um, so I did that. And I, you know, I reached out to a bunch of, of dentists and said, you know, I've done this for a couple of dentists. Do you need me to do this for you? And I, and so I, I did that for a number of my uh, past clients. 
And then in the summer, I started meeting people outside. You know, we'd meet, we'd have deck meetings and patio meetings and front porch meetings. And, and, you know, and as, as the pandemic has sort of moved along, people are more comfortable having me come in for a short period. You know, we we keep meetings brief. We open windows. Everybody wears a mask. The interesting thing is that my residential part of my, my business has really grown this year. The commercial, except for doing the, um, I think I did one commercial project besides just the uh, plexiglass dividers. I've had a great year for residential design. And I think it's people are stuck at home. <laughs> yep. And I've done a bunch of home offices. People are in their homes 24 seven and they, they recognize what all the problems are with their homes yeah. and things that, that they said, Oh, I could put this off another year. You know, when you're in it 24 seven, it becomes time to, to, uh, you know, move forward. And I also think, you know, people who stayed employed um, and, and, didn't have interruption of employment and so still had a good income, we're spending less money on things like right. vacations and dining out and those kinds of things. So they they actually had more money yep. to spend on making their homes more comfortable, more usable, more beautiful. Yeah, it's interesting the different dynamics that COVID has had on everyone, whether you're a restaurant owner. Last week I interviewed a restaurant owner. You know, they've obviously been crushed uh due to due to covid and then you know some people have done very well and a lot of people have pivoted in other ways and you know I was speaking with somebody uh, probably about a month ago and they renovated this is before I met them this was I think this was last summer they renovated their entire home because they were just tired of staring at everything inside of the house for a few months you know they plan on retiring and they're like well I thought I would probably do this in retirement but now I'm I've just been staring at these walls all day so they did like a complete regut I think it was like July last year because they just got tired of it. So yeah, it's it's super interesting, uh, different industries and how everybody's been affected by it for sure. I feel very fortunate. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Has the industry changed much since you started? Not, you know, not included, including COVID? Well, certainly social media was not a part. You know, I started my business in 2006. So social media was really not a part of it. And there were so many fewer things to choose from. I mean, the, the variety and the, the sources have just exploded. My clients are also using social media. You know, people send me their Pinterest boards and yep. which is a really helpful thing because yep. I really get a sense for this is what gets them excited. And I, I never duplicate that, but I try to work with the spirit of what gets people excited. Yep. So I think social media has probably had the biggest impact. And of course, HGTV and I mean, that was around before I started, but my consumers are much more educated than they were when I started. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Pinterest is blown up. Pinterest has become huge over the last decade or so. You know, so this may seem like an odd question, but aside from being physically or mentally incapable of working, you know, business owners kind of have this, they always feel like they got to be doing something. Do you ever pick yourself completely retiring? Will you always always have your hand in a little bit? Or, you know, what does that look like when you think about it down, you know, down the line? I love to work. I'm very much an extrovert and a people person. Yeah. So I can't imagine a time when I'm not working. I mean, I want to be, I love my work and I love my clients. I usually, you know, become very friendly with them. And so it's, it feeds me. So I can't imagine. I mean, I, I can imagine a day where, you know, schlepping 30 pounds of tile might be difficult, you know, in my eighties or whatever, (laughs) But, but barring that, 
I don't see why I would ever need to retire yeah. or want to retire. I really do love what I do. That's awesome. Yeah. Truthfully, it seems boring to me. You know, maybe it's, it's just, I don't know, you know. How do you fill your day? Yeah. Right. Like I, I, I joke, I've made a couple of jokes about this uh, in other episodes. You know, my wife and I got married last year. We went to Hawaii for a honeymoon two weeks. It was amazing. But I'm a white Irish guy. So, you know, sitting around, <laughs> sitting around in the sun for six, eight hours at a time, that's not good for me, uh, you know, as far as my skin goes. And then mentally, I just get bored, you know, so popping around a few days at a time from maybe one island to another is, uh, is a great way to mix that up. But that's why I asked because, you know, I don't know how I would fill my time all day. I enjoy golf, but, you know, I feel like one round of golf is good for a day, but that's four to five hours. That's not a whole day. So I don't know what I would do. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I would love to travel. You know, I love to cook. But I'm doing that now with COVID. So, you know, doing a lot of cooking. You know, I like to hike and I like to, I, I have things I like to do. I would certainly love to travel. Yeah. But yeah, I can't imagine a time when I, when I stop working. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. And you said you love to cook and travel. What, what is one country you've never been to that you've always wanted to visit? I would love to go to Morocco. Wow. Okay. Any it's particular? very high on my list. It's yeah. just the colors. The design, the spices, I I like the food. It just seems so exotic to me. Yeah, no, that's a good spot. What's the the number one country or city that you've visited up to this point? I spent a semester in Florence, Italy. Uh, When I was in college, I was studying art history. And I went back there to go to cooking school. So I love Italy. Yeah. And I love... The light and, I mean, it's just such a beautiful place. I love food. I love the people, the wine, the art. So, yeah, I'd say Italy is probably high on my list. Yeah, that's that's high on my list of places I've never been. I've I've heard it's awesome uh, for all those reasons. So, hopefully, I get to visit there soon. My wife and I, our goal was uh, to travel in 2020. Well, that didn't happen. I was supposed to be, I was supposed to go to Sicily in October. So it got postponed till next October. So I have not been to, yeah. you know, I've, I've been to, uh, well, I've spent a lot of time in, in Tuscany and I've been to Rome and Milan and, and Venice, but I've never been, I've been to the Amalfi Coast, but I've never been to Sicily. So that's coming up for me. All right. Next, this coming October, we're officially in 21. So this coming yes. October. <laughs> nice. Well, if you could tell, last couple of questions, if you could tell your 18 year old self one thing, what would you, what would you tell her? To not be afraid to take risks. I really, I, I, like nothing good comes without getting outside your comfort zone. You know, as an actor, you really have to take risks. You know, you put yourself out there. There's lots of rejection. But if you don't do that, you never go anywhere. And I think as, as an entrepreneur, you have to get yourself out there and, and get outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll never go anywhere. No, I think that's a great answer. I think, you know, because when you're 18, you graduate high school, you feel like you're on top of the world. You feel like you know everything at that point. You know, that was that was a whole, I'm 36. That was a whole other lifetime for me mm-hmm. ago. And it's just, yeah, it's just the classic. If I knew then what I know now, there's so many, I think that's a great answer. So last question, uh, I've asked every single uh, guest on the podcast this. Everyone has a varying depiction of what success looks like. 2020 has certainly proved that. How do you define success? Doing something that I love. My my husband talks about your joy quotient. And I think for me, success means doing something 
where the joy quotient is high. That doesn't mean it's high every minute, but being able to do something that I really love, work with people that I really enjoy being with, be able to make a living. Right? You know, it's not about wealth or or notoriety. Yep. It's about joy. I think that's a phenomenal answer. The joy quotient. I've never heard mm-hmm. of that. That's new. I like that a lot. And it's funny, you know, you said it's not about wealth. I think when I first initially created this question, I think maybe subconsciously, I was thinking it was going to be a monetary answer for people. Uh, not one person out of, I believe now 26 episodes has said a monetary answer whatsoever. And I think, I don't think COVID had anything to do with that, but I think more so in 2020, people realized how many how many things they used to take advantage of and how many of the little things with people that they're close with and contentment and being happy around certain people. I think people realize how much, how, how important that part of your life really is. Yeah. Having time to be with the people that you love, that has been the hardest part of COVID. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I haven't seen my mother in a year. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Except on Zoom. Right. That's, that's the hard part. I don't get to see my, my kids. Yeah. But it also makes you cherish those relationships and, you yeah. know, and know that we're fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Lori, thank you very much for coming on uh, Boston's Best. This was It was great having you on. I'm glad we were finally able to do this. And we'll be sure to share images, you know, pre and post of stuff that you've done, work you've done, and share your, you know, just share your, your contact information once, uh, once this episode gets released. Terrific. Thank you so much. It was really fun. Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to say thank you for checking out my podcast. I really do appreciate the love I've received for this show. I believe now more than ever, any exposure to local businesses is great for them to receive, and I'm trying to do my part. If you are a local business owner or someone you know in the Boston area that would like to be featured on the podcast, please email me at bostonsbestpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please follow this podcast. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on Instagram with the handle at Boston's Best underscore podcast, as well as Facebook at facebook.com backslash Boston's Best podcast. Again, I truly appreciate the great feedback for this show and stay tuned for each new episode every Friday at 8 a.m. Take care.